Alright, let's do this. How are you data scientists and engineers? How are you business people? How are you nerds? Did you grasp that thing you were studying? This is Data Science at Home, the podcast about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and more good stuff. I am Francesco, and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. So grab a cup of coffee and join me as we learn more about the topics we love most. Today I want to speak about something that is low-level, which means processors and coprocessors and hardware. You know, that the stuff of the computer that, that you can kick, actually. <laughs> That's, of course, one of the most important components of not just machine learning, but pretty much everything, uh, obviously. Um, it's the hardware that actually executes all the bits and bytes that we write. And so there is one special hardware that has been... Uh, launched very recently, uh, in 2021 already, which is from Apple. <laughs> it's the Apple M1 coprocessor. Well, in fact, it's the Apple M1. Now, the Apple M1, in my opinion, is one of the best machines ever invented so far for several reasons. Well, the first is because it's freaking fancy. Like, seriously. I mean, I, it's finally, they are getting rid of that shitty touch bar on the MacBook, and many other things. They're kind of going back to, you know, old school MacBooks, which is always a good thing. But most importantly is a, you know, they're getting rid of Intel. And Intel, in my opinion, has proven to be a quite bad company in terms of, you know, uh, microprocessors. Uh, They've been doing a lot of stuff that was not really in line with what the community wanted or the experts wanted. They've been ignoring a lot of the signals out there, but it's not about Intel that I want to speak. Um, it's about Apple. Well, not even about Apple, actually. I want to speak about hardware. And uh, I believe that one of the most useful exams that I had uh, back in the days at academia was computer architectures. That was a badass exam, <laughs> really. I think I failed it once, if I don't remember well, maybe. But anyway, it was an amazing exam, even though I probably failed it once. But I remember that I was kind of good second time, or probably the third time. (laughs) Uh, It was super interesting. Um, There was a book that I studied, um, which is, um, let me see if I find it quickly. The Patterson. Computer architecture. Yes. Yeah, so I will report this in the show notes of this episode on datasciencetome.com. The book is called Computer Architecture, A Quantitative Approach. And that was kind of the Bible back in the days. I, I believe it still is. It's it's a bit pricey, but I think it's the it's a really a must read if you want to uh, know more about how computers work. Uh, or you can definitely learn a programming language, a low-level programming language, uh, definitely not Python. If you if you come from Python, that's why I always criticize Python people, especially at, at the beginning of their career. Guys, please, guys, girls, uh, because there are a lot of ladies coding nowadays. Uh, so finally, I, mean, I must say. Um, well, I've noticed that there are many more girls coding today than back in the days. Well, at least my days. Uh, which is which I find amazing. I mean, it's a, I miss that part actually. You know, at, at university we are all dudes doing computer stuff and programming in C, and now it's quite 
easy, definitely much easier to find girls doing the same things and, and probably, I would say, even better than men. <laughs> All right, so that book is an amazing book. I was saying, if you are starting your career in programming, professionally or not, it doesn't matter, don't start with Python. I mean, go with Python if you want to get shit done relatively easier and quicker, that's fine. But by the side, learn another language, at least another language that is a low-level language. And low-level means that it, it will give you a way better idea of how computers work, you know, where things go, why do you have a, a processor and a coprocessor and accelerator? And these are all the things I would like to speak about in this episode. So one good thing of the Apple M1 is, in fact, the presence of a coprocessor, but I was saying the fact that they ditched Intel and uh, they switched to ARM, ARM. Um, now, ARM has notoriously developed chips for mobile devices, majority of our phones, uh, iPhones included, of course, and so Apple made the choice of switching all their devices, MacBooks and, you know, iMacs included, you know, to the ARM platform, which I find amazing because that means, you know, it's quite a brave decision. But in my opinion, it's the best decision they could make to, you know, bring some new, a new wave, innovative wave or a wave of innovation into their products. I, I think that, that there was no brainer with respect to the architecture of choice. And then there is also so-called the M1. It's a system-on-chip, um, or SOC, SOC. Well, it's a, a system-on-chip in computer architecture are basically, mm, they're not boards, but they are just a bunch of chips on the same chip. It's a system of chips. <laughs> uh, and that means that uh, you have, you know, the, an entire system on just one chip. And so we, I will try to explain what do we mean by entire system. But before going there, I want to make sure that everybody is on the same page here. So I usually make each episode self-contained. It's very important for uh, non-technical people or kind of technical people. So we'll start from uh, the metrics, right? Uh, I know it's, it's a bit too far, um, but stay with me. I'm going to be quick. Um, it's going to be easy. So the metrics is a... Um, it's, it's a structure, it's a data structure composed by uh, vectors of rows and uh, vectors of columns, so so-called row vectors and column vectors. So it's like a table, right? So if you are on a spreadsheet, you know what the spreadsheet is. Well, you can think of a spreadsheet just like a massive matrix, okay? Now, what happens is that uh, the matrix, uh, especially when you do uh, a lot of image processing, machine learning, data science, um, uh, face recognition, you know, all these fancy things that we hear about uh, on a daily basis, the basic block on top of which all these things are built is, in fact, the metrics. And uh, the majority of the operations are actually reduced to metrics operations. Uh, so that's something that you have to bear in mind. Uh, you know, dot products, uh, metrics multiplications, metrics additions, subtractions, and stuff like that, it's pretty much the core operation of, you know, machine learning nowadays. Um, and so the idea of this, you know, behind the metrics is that, well, the metrics is a mathematical concept. Now, when you are a hardware producer or designer, what you want to do is, in fact, um, developing a, a, you know, design a chip that is very good at certain metrics operations, right? And because if you can build a chip that is amazingly fast 
at specific matrix operations and these matrix operations become in fact the you know the most used or the most common operation across all your workflows well bingo because you know you have optimized the critical path of all your uh, applications right if all your applications are using uh, matrix dot products uh, and you have a chip that is the fastest in the world at, at dot products at making dot products well then all your operations, of course, are going to be performed as fast as possible by your chip, right? So that's the first thing from a mathematical concept to, um, you know, to the, to the practice of uh, making that mathematical concept executable in the fastest possible way by uh, off-the-shelf hardware, right? That's what chip producers always want to achieve. The second concept that I would, I would like to cover before we enter the space of what is the Apple M1 uh, chip about and, and why is it worth buying, or if it is worth buying it, well, is the actual architecture. So how a processor, a coprocessor, an accelerator uh, are connected to each other and, uh, and who does what, right? Now, if you passed that exam of uh, computer architecture back in the days. I believe that every university now has that exam uh, as well. So for the record, I studied in Italy. Uh, I started my, uh, well, I finished, I think in 2007, eight, maybe. And I studied that course in 2003, if I'm not wrong, or 2005. I don't actually remember, but in that period, it's, damn, it's a long time ago. Anyway, it's 15 years ago, wow. All right, well, after being aware of how old I am, fuck, I should have not gone there. Anyway, now I'm depressed. Okay, so back to processor, coprocessors, accelerator, what are these things? Well, there is the CPU, that's the, the processor, and the task of the CPU essentially is to uh, go into memory, take some data from there, well, in fact, load some registers from memory addresses into the processor. In the processor, there are registers, and these registers can contain actual values or memory addresses where the actual value is. And the, the task of the processor is just to calculate things, as simple as that. Now, next to the processor, there's the wingman. That's called the coprocessor. And usually these two folks, they share the so-called data bus, which is a bus that where data, is, where data flows, essentially. And what data? Well, the data both the processor or the coprocessor have to work on. And so if you have a coprocessor that is specifically designed for making, let's say, a multiplication or a floating point unit multiplication, well, it means that every time they meet that instruction, uh, the coprocessor will say, hang on, buddy, uh, I, will, I will handle that. And so the processor will just focus on something else or will freeze, or will, I don't know, will parallelize another task, but essentially the coprocessor will take care of that particular operation. Why? Because it has been specifically designed for that operation, right? And so there's nothing in the world faster than, than that coprocessor to, to perform that operation. Make sense? That's why it's like a specialized wingman. Now, both the processor and the coprocessor access the memory, the central memory, the RAM, right? That, that, that stuff that you buy and sometimes it costs so much and sometimes it doesn't. So there is a data bus and uh, an address bus that connects the processor to the, to the central memory and there is a data bus that connects the coprocessor to the memory. 
So the processor can say, can tell the coprocessor to go into memory and take some data and perform some calculation, right? So that's the relationship between processor and coprocessor, really a wingman. Buddy, do this for me. Buddy, do that for me. And the processor in the meantime is focusing on other things, right? That's the relationship between processor and coprocessor. Now, there is the accelerator that's uh, a different story. So the accelerator, think about the GPU. So the GPU, when you buy a, an NVIDIA card or a Radeon card, right? You usually have like the specs, like these super fancy colors and shit like that, that you buy the box and you're super happy. But then next to that fancy color, there is a number. Um, and that's usually the amount of dedicated memory that this video card has. And I just said dedicated memory. This means that if you buy a, now it's quite expensive one, like an NVIDIA card with, let's say, 12 gigabyte dedicated memory, it means that that GPU will not even use the central memory, let's say the 64 gigs that you have because you have a super fancy laptop like me. <laughs> so it, that video card will actually use the 12 gigs dedicated memory, which is amazing because that dedicated memory is dedicated, right? It, it cannot be accessed by anyone else except the accelerator. And that's amazing. So now the accelerator per se is a bunch of, you know, specialized or hyper-specialized CPUs or processors that are super specialized in a particular type of operation uh, that are very common, for example, for rendering tasks or, um, you know, all the operations that you do whenever you play a video game, for example, or you do 3D, CAD, and stuff like that. So that that's why, you know, when you have a GPU, most of the time you're, you're, you're doing like 3D calculations or video games and stuff like that at a very fast speed without bothering the processor because the processor, in fact, is never working on this stuff. The accelerator is doing, is doing the, the, hard, the heavy lift, right? Now, there is a, uh, a relationship between the processor and coprocessor. We just saw that um, they are quite related to each other because they share the so-called instruction stream. So this means that between the processor and the coprocessor, the, the two, you know, the wingman that I, I explained before, those two guys are sharing the instruction stream. And this means that when there is an instruction in, in the stream, the coprocessor will say, oh, I know that, I will take care of it. That's not the case for an accelerator. There's no instruction stream that is shared between the processor and the GPU. And indeed, you can notice this if you paid attention, for example, let's say you are uh, familiar with PyTorch. And with PyTorch, you can write a, a, a neural network that uh, you can deploy on a particular GPU if you have multiple GPUs on board. Uh, now, you can, let's say, deploy one layer on one GPU, another layer on another GPU, or, or whatever you want, right? Now, when you are doing that, essentially, you are explicitly telling the processor to send a, a subset of the calculations to the GPU. And you are packing these things, and you are sending them to the GPU and the GPU only. And the GPU will come back to you with a result, and will put that result on the data bus so that the processor can consume it and show it to you. There is no relationship between the processor and the accelerator or the GPU. These two things live in their own world and 
pretty isolated from each other, except for the data bus, because of course that's the only thing needed to actually communicate results back and forth. So that's the relation between the processor and the coprocessor. Sorry, uh, the processor and the accelerator slash GPU. Now, why am I saying all this nonsense is because what the AMX, so-called AMX, which is the um, Apple Matrix Processing um, Instruction Set, uh, is doing is, well, is an extension of an instruction set by Apple. And that's basically the stuff that is making the Apple M1 worth buying, in my opinion. So uh, it's something that is super powerful and it's an extension uh, of the standard ARM instruction set architecture, uh, so-called ISA, instruction set architecture. Now, historically, uh, ARM creators, uh, creators of the ARM instruction set architecture have always resisted the idea of adding custom instructions to their instruction set architecture. And there is, you know, there are, there is more than one reason of that. Uh, one in particular, in my opinion, is because whenever you create a different instruction set that is, let's say, non-standard, uh, and whenever you build or design a new chip, you also have to design the compiler for that chip. Otherwise, you will never exploit and take advantage of all the fancy instruction set ar architectures, right? <laughs> so when you have a new processor, make sure that you also have a compiler that is using that processor. If you compile your code with standard machine code that is not taking advantage of that processor, you are wasting your money yeah? because you know, you're buying something that, you're buying a Ferrari that is you know, limited um, by the manufacturer. And uh, the manufacturer didn't give you the, the magic key to give more gas to the Ferrari. And so you will never go 300 miles per hour. Does a Ferrari go? 300 miles per hour? Probably not, but you get my point. So that's exactly, that's probably, and I don't know exactly, it's a big word, but that's probably why um, adding or extending or adding custom instructions to the instruction set architecture of, a, of any plot, of any architecture is, is quite a pain in the ass. Uh, and that's probably why the ARM people haven't been doing that so far. But uh, there are you know, commercial relationships between Apple and ARM, especially when they ditched Intel. And uh, that's another personal opinion. Uh, and so they, you know, ARM people wanted to give, wanted to give Apple some, let's say, super powerful tools to create the so-called competitive advantage with respect to the other uh, hardware manufacturers. Um, and eventually, you know, make Apple architectures more interesting on the market. Um, but let's see how does all this work? Well, the AMX is this, you know, uh, extension of the uh, ARM instruction set for Apple is, uh, in fact, doesn't have a documentation, doesn't have a, an official documentation yet. And that's a, a problem because, you know, the only way to understand how these things work is by reverse engineering, which happened, by the way, thanks to uh, Dougal Johnson. Uh, I will report his GitHub uh, <laughs> link in the show notes of this episode on datasciencehome.com. It's... And amazing, it's quite technical, it's super technical, you know, it's uh, it's very low-level Python, actually. But it's, you know, if, if you are interested, if you are intellectually curious about these things, uh, I highly recommend to have a look at it. It's a very interesting repo. I think it's a, it's a GitHub GIST or GIST. 
and uh, essentially what it did, it tried to, well, it reverse engineered the M1 to find out how this coprocessor works. For all metrics, and he found that for all metrics related mathematical operations, Apple has special libraries, such as one called Accelerate, uh, that is made uh, made up of uh, other sub libraries or packages like uh, BLAS, which is the industry standard for linear algebra, uh, LAPAC, uh, which is for linear algebra functions for uh, uh, solving linear equations, uh, VDSP for digital signal processing, uh, BLAS, uh, I think I said that, VImage, uh, which is um, image processing library, uh, and another one for neural networks and the training, it's called BNNS. Um, it allows you to run and train uh, neural networks on this chip. So, well, what he did, he, he, well, he knew that these libraries would use the AMX coprocessor, you know, because they have been marketized as such. And so what he did is like, okay, well, let me run these things and see what happens to my registers. And, and I try to observe these registers. You know, I'm, I'm oversimplifying the way someone reverse engineers things. But essentially, that's what someone does. You know, you, you observe some registers and you see how uh, special machine code instructions are executed. And he realized that, uh, you know, the way these registers and these coprocessors work. Now, the question is, why doesn't Apple document this stuff? And, and to give you a scientific answer to this, I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually don't know. Um, it's, it, there must be a reason for sure. One that, you know, one speculation definitely that I personally have is that ARM is not documented that, and not even Apple is, docu is documented that, to maintain that competitive advantage with respect to the others. Also because they just launched this new architecture. They just launched an architecture that is ditching Intel. Of course, you don't want to make a lot of noise around it. You just want to claim that something is freaking fast and Intel sucks, essentially, right? That's that's your objective. If if you were Apple, what would you do? Well, if I were Apple, that's exactly what I what I would have done. Like, guys, fuck everyone. I'm the fastest possible architecture in the world, and deal with that. To be honest, uh, this also creates some you know put some something in order, in the sense that Apple is saying. As long as you use the Accelerate framework, which is this library that uh, contains LAPAC, VDSP, BNNs, BLAST, and VImage, as long as you use this stuff, you can ignore how uh, things happen behind the curtains. Um, you ignore all that. We, we make sure that all the matrix calculations are run the fastest possible way on this new ARM super powerful architecture, consuming and optimizing energy, optimizing power consumption, and yada, yada. And, and deal with that. that. That's what Apple wants you know, developers to, to do. They don't want developers to deal with the nitty-gritty of you know, all the internals because you know, they are the expert and they know exactly how software and hardware works on their entire platform because they make both the hardware and the software. So you know, Apple is an interesting company because they, they can actually build the full stack. You know, they still have the control of the full stack. That's not what Microsoft, that, that, what, that's what Microsoft never had. And nobody has, in fact. Um, everybody's using their own uh, software, but, uh, you know, off-the-shelf uh, architectures or processors, while Apple always had that capability of optimizing the entire flow. That's why uh, batteries can last nine hours on super powerful machines, because they can 
really optimized. That's why they don't need machines with 128 gigabyte of RAM, um, and they perfectly work with 16. Um, and benchmarks are still amazing, uh, you know, because they they're optimizing things. You know, the secret of speed is into optimization. It's not in uh, uh, how powerful your hardware is. I hope everybody understands and accepts this. So what are the advantages uh, of having this amazing coprocessor? Um, they are really, really stunning. Um, now, I don't have a an Apple M1 machine here. And actually, if someone at Apple is, is listening to my podcast, please, guys, feel free to send me a machine. I will make sure to test it to the last tiny bit <laughs> and, and run all my benchmarks and make another couple of episodes about all that. The only price I ask is, of course, I can keep the machine. <laughs> so that's the only request that I have for Apple people. I don't have such a machine, but I've been uh, checking some benchmarks uh, out there. Uh, there is uh, one about uh, matrix multiplication performance. Uh, it's called AMX2 versus Neon. I will report the link in the show note of this episode, as always. And boy, if that's fast. Oh my goodness, that's really, really fast. It's it's just another planet. Um, now, I don't know how much... Uh, you know, how the power consumption would go under these critical computations. But who cares? You know, when you are measuring performance and speed, of course, you're also ignoring, um, you know, power consumption uh, metrics. But the fact that it's an an ARM architecture makes me believe that uh, for regular tasks, these machines are also optimized for uh, the minimal battery consumption that you can have uh, as we speak. Now, what this benchmark is showing is that with regular ARM instructions, you can perform a certain number of operations uh, when it comes to matrix multiplication. But when you're using the AMX extension, you can do twice the number of operations. So it's uh, twice as fast, which is impressive. Now, don't get confused from this because, okay, it's freaking fast. I get that. Uh, just bear in mind that, you know, it's freaking fast for that particular type of operation. So this is called a micro benchmark, uh, which means that they are measuring performance on a very specific and narrow operation or set of operations. Not for everything, of course, but uh, for machine learning tasks or uh, high performance computing, so-called HPC, where these operations are very common, well, that's where you get the best speed up. If you are doing machine learning and you need an Apple M1, just go for it. Apple is not sponsoring this this show. If you want, go ahead. But I think that Apple is a very good machine. Um, and this switch of architecture is really something that is amazing me. And probably soon I'm going to buy one. Now, what can we do except for waiting that probably the prices go a bit down and uh, compilers get extended with new uh, hardware capabilities? Well, we can definitely learn low-level languages. So to whoever is out there building a career in uh, uh, programming and uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, guys, really, guys, girls, please learn Python. That's fun. It's a quick and dirty language to getting started and to get shit done. But don't forget that the real magic happens when you go low level. The real magic happens when you control your machine and you can only control your machine when you understand how a machine works. And so there are a couple of books that I highly recommend. 
you will find them in the show notes of this episode. It's books about low-level programming and computer architectures. These are the two essential things that will make you a rock star. Believe me. Thank you very much for being here, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.